0: I fell into a ring of
1: fire. I fell in... You <laughs> Welcome to Fever FM. Tonight, as much as we're going to be talking football, we're going to be talking off-the-field football, uh, starting with the APL announcement of the grand final. Uh, Who wants to recap this wonderful extravaganza of announcements?
2: Is it even possible to to do that? I I feel like we've gone through like 60 different stories of what's actually happened.
1: Yeah, it certainly feels that way. There's certainly been some contradictory information as well. Um, Shall we start off with... The uh, out-of-the-blue announcement that the APL has made a deal with Destination New South Wales uh, for the next three years, all Grand Finals will be held in Sydney. Uh, this game is a surprise to everyone here, I'm sure.
3: Yep, and not wow. a pleasant one.
1: No, no, certainly a cold reach-around in the morning. That's uh, <laughs> the best analogy I can give you. I
0: are
3: just going to let you that with that one for a bit. I just, so
1: just stoked that this early in the pod, we've managed to get the title for the thing.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm really just here for the lols. Um, yeah, so uh, that announcement came as a massive surprise to everyone, including um, people, uh, illustrious people such as Tony Sage, the uh, is he CEO or just owner of uh, Perth Glory, it's somebody. Advice. It's advice. all the same, really. Yeah, head honcho of um, uh, Perth Glory. Uh and certainly came as a bit of a surprise. Some other people, uh, according to their statements later, including people that were supposedly voting on this, as uh, and this is where it starts getting interesting and murky. Actually, who voted on it? Was it the um, uh, Was it the APL board? Was it the What is it? Heads of unit or something? I, I don't even know. Um, yeah. do we do we have any clarity on who voted for what and when?
3: I mean, the latest statement from the Mariners probably seems to give the most clarity of anything, and it suggests that the board have been in discussion on this for some time, and it agreed to it, and at some point prior to the announcement, but not by much, told the clubs it was getting announced. Uh, that sounds like that might have even been the night before. That was the first the rest of the clubs had kind of heard about it, um, and at that point, it sounds like the board had already voted and already signed the bit of paper, and um, And then after all the backlash, the clubs have kind of had an emergency meeting and been told that um, they're going to have another vote on this time, not whether or not the deal should proceed, but because it's already signed, essentially a vote on whether or not they should try and pull out of the deal, um, which might have some ramifications, or if they would like to leave it as it is now and lie in the stink that's already been created. Um, and so that seems to be what the second vote that occurred was, which, which makes, I mean, me was were talking about this before the pod, the kind of voted in favor stuff of the second vote seem a bit misleading. Cause if the vote was, do you want to pay some penalties to breach a contract or do you want to keep this money that we've already agreed to and have to deal with the fan backlash an a, a in favor vote and a not in favor vote mean very different things than we voted for this deal. Um, and that seems to be the position we're at at the moment.
1: It certainly seems like the, um, the second rat- ratification vote, um, uh, that seems to be very mysterious. Uh, it, I think Dave's probably hit the nail on the head. We don't know actually what was voted on realistically, um, what was on the table, and we certainly won't know the details of the contract. Um, What we do know is statements from the uh, head of the APL, I believe his name is Tony Lederer, uh, who has said that um, this is going to be the greatest of all great things, and then when questioned on this, after the backlash has gone, no, no, really, it will be great. Um, uh, You can imagine the scenario that uh, I think a scenario was put to him basically that um, you know what will the home te- what will the minor premiers get out of this now, uh, and he said they will be the home team. They will get the choice of dressing rooms
3: and to play in their home
2: strip. What a treat!
1: Oh yeah, unless they've got sponsorship deals.
2: It's, it's yeah, it's funny how it's been um, sold as this great kind of thing for fans because they talk about like like what we want to do is. is... pilgrimage pilgrimage to the grand final um, as if like you know flying four hours is a pilgrimage like um, you know rolling out of bed and walking down the hill to the stadium is more of a pilgrimage that I'd be more keen on than uh, jumping in a plane at 6am for a three you know three day turnaround and then uh, having to fly back home again
0: and spending two thousand dollars for the privilege
2: yeah
3: and and the thing of trying to sell this out is, as oh, but you'll be able to, you know, plan for it and buy packages in advance and stuff, just completely nonsense. Like no one's doing that unless their team's in the final. Um, this is you know, you, they talk about trying to build a tradition around this, um, which I think well I'll talk about it in a second, but that's probably the most scary part of this. But there's no tradition. This this stadium has no history, it has nothing around it that would make it a pilgrimage except that you're playing in a grand final and you know what's even better about playing in a grand final playing it at your normal fucking stadium. Like it's not, it's not going to Sydney. No one cares about going to Sydney, but the the thing in the word making a tradition out of this that scares me the most is it's very clear. This is not a three year plan. The first deal is for three years. And they've even said after the three years, they'll look at offering it to other cities. Oh, great. So we're just going to keep selling it around. That's not building a tradition anywhere. And it certainly isn't just a three-year deal. So there's some very scary stuff in that kind of underlying words they're choosing there.
1: For me, it was uh, that same kind of statement, but it was saying, "We'll uh, we'll open it up to uh, hopefully higher bids from other from other states." And I'm kind of like, it really does show what the incentive is for this yeah. or for this, and maybe that's. Um, maybe that would have made sugar coated the pill a little bit more if, if there'd been a little bit more forthrightness and just said, Hey, we're strapped for cash. COVID's done us the last two years. We need the cash, lads. We're really sorry, but this is how we get it.
4: Yeah. That's my biggest gripe, I think, is that it's been marketed as a, um, sorry, had a mosquito Um, it's been marketed as a, like a fan experience, this is going to be great for the fans Um, but re- we know I guess that it's money related But and if they'd have come out and said that it was money related up front it makes it a little bit I mean I still think we would have been pissed off Um, but at least they're up front about the reason for that
3: yeah and I think, I think the big thing about the money, we all know it's about the money right, but the big thing about that would be telling us what they're spending it on. I you know, the the amount of dollars to some extent doesn't matter, but they should be saying, "Hey, this money is going towards this." And realistically, we've had no kind of indication of what they're planning on spending the money on, and what it goes towards actually might make a big difference to how people feel but feel about it because at the moment, we as fans probably just feel like this is going into some executives' pockets, right? And that's particularly grating off the back of a Silver Lake deal that was worth, what, $150 million 12 months ago, that now they're crying poor and saying we need even more money just to keep things afloat. Well, it seems crazy to me.
2: Well, I think the the other option is the money's going to Sydney and Victorian clubs to buy another marquee or two. At least be honest about it, right? Like, if, if that's what they're saying,
3: some people genuinely think buying marquees in is the right way to grow the league. There are fans who think that, and I think would probably... Be on board with being told, "Hey, we're going to spend the money on that." But I, I don't share that view. But some people would.
1: But also, it's not going to be something you're going to be able to hide either. Or if all of a sudden you, you know, you sign someone, a big name out of Europe, it everyone knows where the money's coming from, right?
3: I guess so. And there's there's another element as well in this, and that they, you know, clearly we know it's about the money and they've said no one could match the offer that new South Wales made, but a couple of other um, tourism agencies from other States have said they weren't even talked to about it. They had no idea and didn't get the opportunity to make a bid. So we actually don't know that they got the best deal at all. They basically did a backroom deal with the guys around the corner and said it was a great one. That might well not be the case. I mean, we've heard 8 million, uh, sorry, we've heard an eight figure deal bandied about, but, um, We don't actually know what the number was, or that it was necessarily the most they would have got for it. Well, eight figures could include the two decimal points, I suppose. (laughs) It sure could, sure could. I, I was I was joking about it earlier today, but to some extent, I stand by what I was saying. Where at least David Gallup, while being a massive dickhead, came out and told us what he was doing. He said, "I'm trying to get this money for the TV deal." this is what i'm going to give away for it and he and he put my numbers on the table said we need to get this money and he put a stick in the ground and said this is the number and in the you know in the process of doing that he ostracized a lot of us but at least he was being honest about what he was trying to do when it came to the money we didn't like it but
2: he was up front yeah i think i think the new south wales thing is is um attractive because it, it it's ease of of organisation as well right like yeah it's a sydney centric HQ, being able to put together a Sydney-based week of football festivities or whatever the hell they're calling it, Um, it's much easier to do for them than it is to do, say, in Melbourne or whatever. Um, And and while they say, you know, you're going to go out to market next time or or whatever, I mean, realistically, it's only going to be Victoria that'll be interested. You know, Brisbane barely put any investment into football. Perth is, you know, an AFL town. and you know it's not going to be Adelaide or or um, or us. Um, you know, the City Council certainly doesn't have ten million dollars floating in the back back pocket to to shell out. So it, I could see a situation where it kind of maybe rotates between the two, but.
3: Well, and the thing is we know that it's all about the money, right? Like when you're when you're talking hosting rights for things, normally other things are taken into consideration, you know? Um, things like Olympic Games, et cetera, don't just go to the city or willing to pay the most. Obviously that's a factor, you know, the financial stability of being able to put on an event matters, but they do put some consideration into the other benefits that be gained for hosting it in certain places, etc. But we all know that that wouldn't be the case in terms of considering whether or not an Adelaide should host it or a Perth should host it, right? We know whoever writes the biggest check will be the one who gets it for however many years the next time they're putting this contract up for.
2: Can I play slightly devil's advocate and say this is actually a good thing for us to win a title? Because realistically, the chances of us coming first are pretty slim in most years, right? Probably 1%, something like that. It's never happened. We've never looked close. We've looked close-ish to making a final a couple of times. Um, so instead of going to a, a definite situation where if we made a final, would certainly be uh, away from home at that team's home ground, we've now gone to a chance where if the final is against a non-New South Wales team, it's a neutral venue with probably Johnny-come-lately Sydney fans cheering on the game as opposed to a, a team from, from Melbourne or, or wherever so the, the chances of winning away from home in the final is probably much much greater
1: Yeah, you could argue that you could also argue that probably um, it would benefit us slightly more than an, any other out of town team because the one thing that Aussies love to hate is another state and Kiwis yeah, we might get away with getting some extra fans. Um, however, the what gets me is the Festival of Football comment that there's going to be this week-long Festival of Football. It's like, odds on you won't know that whether you've qualified or not until just the week prior. You'd literally have to have booked, if you want to take part of this Festival of Football, assuming you can get a week off at random and uh, have the money to swirl around for accommodation and flights, etc., you're going to have to just drop the cash as soon as, soon as the um, final whistle goes on the, the semi, right?
2: Well, I, th- I, th- I think if you're if you're f- supporting one of the um, bigger Melbourne clubs, who you would expect to be in and around the finals most years, surely at the start of the season you're booking a non-refundable, uh, a, re- a refundable flight uh, and accommodation for that week in Sydney. And if you don't, if you use it, awesome, you've probably saved yourselves a few thousand dollars and if you don't yeah, you know, put it on your tab for, for next
4: time or, or take the refund the, the thing that we haven't talked about and I think is really important and the leagues haven't talked about none of these statements have talked about is the women's game. The women's game is impacted just as much, potentially more. If we're talking about the festival of football, does that happen just in the lead up to the men's final? Because the women's final is a month prior to the men's one so what are they going to do in that space? Are they going to have another little festival or are they just going to just gloss over it completely? I think it's ridiculous. And also, in all of these statements that have been coming up, where is Canberra? I
2: was, I was just about to say, like, no one seems to have mentioned Canberra and I guess on the on the board, Canberra doesn't sit on that. So you, you, you could see why those uh, men from the ALE clubs focus on the men's team and not the women's team. And so that your question is probably not even registered with the, with the American.
3: No. And, and as you say, like, it's a whole month between the two things. I think the, uh, the press release they put out about the festival of football makes it pretty clear. There's no intent to build a festival around the women's final. They list the events they're planning on having within that week. And it, it's very much focused on the men and the E League final, which I mean, honestly, if we're in if we're in a grand final for the you know, the men's A League, the last thing I care about is getting there a week early to watch the E League decide it. Like I I just think they don't have any idea what fans actually care about. And this is an event only able to realistically be attended and only intended to be attended by people who already live in Sydney. That's what they're looking for here is neutrals to show up. And attend some events that the local, uh, the local council are essentially funding.
1: I think that that's probably a valid point. Someone, as someone else has pointed it out previously that the way that this is being run seems to be targeting not the hardcore fans, not the football fans, but just general punters. It's an entertainment idea rather than a football, a um, football event. Um, Yeah. Are there any redeeming features for this?
3: Cash. The cash is the only redeeming feature. And realistically, as the Phoenix, we actually probably get a better deal out of this than anything, right? Because historically, A, we don't make grand finals. B, even if you do make a grand final, the FFA used to keep the profits and now the league keep the profits. So you don't get any money from hosting a grand final anyway. The only thing you get is your fans in the stand. Whereas this deal means we do pocket a bit of a bit of scratch for, for our troubles in a game we're never going to play in. So there you go. There's the redeeming feature. Travel agents are probably pretty happy too, I'd say. I mean, whichever one's been contracted to do this, because I think based on the way that uh, Townsend was talking, it's pretty clear a deal's been done in that space too, that the packages you will need to buy will be similar to the ones we got fleeced on going to Peru.
4: Wasn't there something... I'm pretty sure I saw something on social media. I don't have our true it is. That someone has a link to like Expedia or something.
2: Yeah, so, Silver Fern Farms have a chunk of.
4: Do you mean scares. Silver Lake?
2: So I Lake. assume we mean Silver Lake. <laughs> what did I say? Silver Lake. Silver,
3: Silver, Firm. Firm. Silver
4: Fern oh. Farms. Oh. Silver
3: <laughs> That's a hell of a crossover right there. Come, come visit our abattoir. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's a real homestay experience. That one. <laughs> hey. Home, home hey, kill
1: experience.
2: Hey, some of those Sydney pitches look like uh, a paddock anyway, <laughs> right? So it's not that far fetched. Yeah, that's where they—that's
3: where they run the cattle in between the tourists showing up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've broken trace. It's great.
1: <laughs> I don't think I've heard that noise before, Trace. It's. Uh, I'm glad this is an audio medium.
0: Oh, I, I wonder why I couldn't hear anything because she's muted herself, but that was, that, I'd love to be hearing what's going on um, with that screen right now.
1: So is there anything in summary to all of this? I mean, uh, obviously, uh, the fan groups, uh, of all the individual clubs, or certainly most of them have come out with a statement and or action. Um, and fever will be doing such, uh, once the, once the, um, discussion finishes. Uh, but is there anything beyond these these talks of walkouts or silent protests or that that can be done to influence this? This is just a done deal, right?
3: It sure seems that way now. I mean, the latest statements, which realistically only came out just as we start recording, um, make it seem like that's the case. The the clubs haven't expressed a desire for this deal to go ahead, but have now recognised they're between a rock and a hard place. As, um, as they put it, it's a lose-lose situation. Either they have to forfeit um, not only the money from the deal, but potentially some sort of penalties involved. And the, the big stick has been waived by the APL bosses that that'll be exactly the case. This will come out of your um your salary cap budgets, thanks, unless you agree to this. And so they kind of have to stick with it now or after a couple of hard COVID years, take another hit in the, in the bottom line. So I don't see a way around it, but I think the the outcome that has to happen now is that the people responsible for that deal in the first place and the lack of consultation with pretty much everyone from the sounds of it, um, have to, have to, you know, their heads have to roll and who exactly those people are. I don't know, but it would seem it's got to be pretty much everyone on the board
2: and Danny Townsend, you would think. Hey, they consulted with, uh, fan focus groups, apparently, whatever, whoever those might be, but, um,
3: yeah, and completely ignored it. They said, we knew we'd, you'd be angry, and we did it anyway. Well, <laughs> you know, you didn't talk to the clubs. The fans told you no. I'm not really sure what your consultation was. It sounds very much like it was a rubber stamping process, which is a problem in itself, right? Like That is a governance issue, and that's where the, the responsibility lies.
2: Yeah, I mean, I can see how some clubs would be keen on it, and, and probably, you know, certainly us. I could I could see why we would be. I just cannot fathom why victory voted for it as a team that is relatively rich in comparison to every other team who is in and around the finals all the time, why you would sell your fans up for what could be $300,000 a year that it seems mind boggling that, that their CE was keen for it. Well, and, and
3: how the people from those clubs who were on that initial decision thought that this was going to be an okay way to tell the fans I mean, they must have seen some of these statements and surely they're not stupid enough to think, oh yeah, our members will believe this is done for them. Like, it just seems insane. I don't I don't think how anyone, I don't see how anyone thought they could actually spin this with a straight face and have it go down well.
1: Um, didn't the uh, victory representative on the board resign uh, yes. earlier today?
3: Uh, I think it was yesterday, but he basically said, look, I was on board at first. Once we've seen the backlash he sounded like he tried to champion getting the hell out of this deal and resigned when the board wouldn't entertain that prospect. And now the clubs haven't entertained it either, um, basically. But that's, I think, in the face of some legal advice, I'd be interested to know because the the CCM um, statement basically says, we don't know the details. We just had to take it on good faith that there are, in fact, some significant penalties and the lawyers suggest there probably would be.
1: You'd assume a deal like this would would have a whole lot of don't-even-think-about-backing-out three-year deal.
2: I I think, following from Dave's point, what needs to happen next, I think you would would hope that the owners who weren't in that meeting are really pushing for better um, distribution of information or engagement or consultation or whatever you want to call it um, in better lines of communication, because it seems like they're all caught on the hop uh, with such a big thing about your league. That seems bizarre that, that that happened and so you, you're hoping that you know rob morrison or, or david dome or whoever is is pushing for better better links that way and you would hope that also leads to better links to engagement with fan groups who are in and around the game not sort of potential you know event going fans um you know season member members and, and whoever else
1: Hmm.
3: yeah i think that's right and and you'd sure hope that that governance structure has been looked at i mean the the structure already is strange right that you've got um not that many clubs realistically and only five of them sit on that board and it seems there's some level of rotation to that because obviously rob previously was involved and no longer is so either there is a rotation cycle or perhaps it was just um there were you know personal reasons why Rob was no longer involved. But having five out of 11 seems particularly strange, right? Like that.
1: Yeah, my understanding was that Rob um, couldn't make the meeting or something.
3: That's not the board. He's no longer on the board. He was previously on the board.
1: Right. Okay. Was it the ratification meeting he couldn't make?
3: So he didn't didn't make the club owners meeting, which was yesterday. That's a different thing. But you'd assume he probably voted by proxy in some fashion i would i would assume because otherwise the votes
0: don't add up yeah but also going off the voting and proxy thing it feels like that's pretty much just a we have to rubber stamp this or we're screwed right so Correct. it doesn't really feel like that really answers no. anything Whether or not rob voted
3: at that stage is is somewhat moot, but I would still be interested to know his thoughts.
4: Yeah, I think that's the key here, is is just understanding what his thoughts about it are. Like, you look at that CCM statement and you look at the statement that the Knicks have released, very different messaging. I mean, the Knicks statement also did, I guess, come before yeah. that owners meeting, but after that, it's been radio silence from the Knicks, so.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and the, and the, the kind of tone of that initial statement basically... I, I took it to read that they were at least somewhat in favour. You know, the money's good is the vibe I get out of it. You know, this isn't our ideal scenario, but there's some money on the table and we're pretty cash-strapped is, is the vibe I get from that. Maybe that's just me, but yeah.
1: No, certainly I, I think that um, after the two years based in New South Wales, you've got to be thinking the club's hurting pretty bad and any money they get in is is pretty much gold, right?
3: Yeah, I still go back to that Silver Lake money, though, and go, where's the Where's the $150 million from that gone? Because the clubs sh- and the league shouldn't be that cash-strapped at the moment, That was right? like,
1: absolutely pie-in-the-sky cool money. money. We, we said it at the time, that this money doesn't exist. It's like that dumb... Uh, the people that were going to lend Terry the money, Western, whatever they were.
2: I'll tell you where it's gone. It's gone into hay and fertiliser, right?
1: Yeah,
2: keep those farms
4: sticking over. <laughs> Fever FM brought to you by Silver Fern Farms.
1: Yeah, mmm, meaty. <laughs> right, that seems like a natural segue to actually talk about what happened on the field. Um, let's kick it off with the uh, women's game playing up against playing against Canberra away. Uh, not an auspicious start, and a bit of um, what is becoming an a very unlikable pattern when it comes to the women's team. Uh, Nine uh, nine minutes in conceding, uh, not, uh, not a great goal. Um, Is there anything we can say about it now that we haven't already said?
3: This felt, this felt like a repeat performance of exactly the issues we've already talked about. Um, I mean, yeah, I talked about it at length last time we were on the pod. and Honestly, it was like the same thing. We just didn't wait to the, second half to shit the bed this time we you know the problems were exposed right from the beginning and i think that probably is down to good kind of scouting and analysis they they could see where the problems were going to be and they just targeted it right from the get-go
1: yep yeah i think you're exactly right that it uh, felt felt like they listen, literally listened to the pod when oh dave said this
3: <laughs> i doubt anyone cares what i say but
2: uh, yeah i only saw a little little bits of it um but it looked like as soon as Betsy Hassett got on the ball, there's two or three players around, and they really sort of tried to mark her out of the game or stop her from getting the ball forward. I think they yeah. Can, yeah, obviously identified she's probably our best player and best ball player. If you can And
1: cut she's out the bat. natural choke point, right?
2: That's right, yeah. And if you can chop out that, then, you, then you're getting you a know, good ball within the attacking half. Um, and, and that's kind of what they did, right? I think it was their first two goals were turnovers from, from us, I think. Yeah,
3: um, and it, I thought it was a bit harsh on yeah. her that there were some people on, on Facebook and Twitter kind of blaming her for having a bad game. But I, I agree with you. I think they targeted her. They were, you know, multiple people on her every time she got on the ball and she just didn't have any outlets there. And And it was a position where she needed yeah. some support in, in that spot in midfield uh, more than anything. I, but that's not to say she had a good game because she did cough up a lot of ball, et cetera. But it wasn't because she was having a bad day. It's because they were targeting her.
4: I had the same notes, for Frosty. Yeah. I had the same notes for Paige Satchel. Was I watching the wrong game? Um, like having three or four players on her, and it looked like she tried to do a little bit too much at times. But I'm not sure whether that was because she didn't have an outlet, um, or that she just thought she could get through.
1: Yeah, uh, I I kind of understand what um uh what Paige was trying to do it's she, she feels the team's under pressure and is trying to lead from the front um it felt to me both both Betsy and Paige it felt like they just uh, it was the outlet scenario rather than the uh that getting she was getting, they were both getting swamped but if you know if you've watched any of the World Cup you see it's that it's the players off the ball that are doing the hard work and making it um, uh, and making themselves available. And I just don't see a whole lot of movement off the ball. We play very orthodox, uh, very regimented, even in possession. So it means that players in the centre get isolated pretty easily. Um, The um, second goal, unfortunately, was a bit more of the same coming 27 minutes in this time. 2-0 Tunnel down after 27 that's a long long way back um uh, how do we feel that um uh that, that defensive line did on this she got to get us to get a go, um, a shot off very close in
4: yeah we were defensively quite shaky i think
1: yeah um yeah for mo- for mine it's just i when people are getting not free shots but certainly uh, un uncontested shots. Certainly, people not in the physical space. It really gives me the shits from that close.
4: Just going back, sorry, to the players off the ball. I don't think it's a problem that we just have up front either. Um, no. Edwards quite a few times had was like holding the ball for quite some time to try and find someone to pass to from a from a goal kick. Like it was just. Too slow, but she obviously didn't have the outlets because no one was moving. Yeah,
3: no, and, and I think I think that's that's all down to that problem in the kind of six eight role, right? Where yeah. that that kind of pivot between the back line and getting it forward just isn't there. And I think they're the people who, you you know you obviously want your backs to get wide if you are going to be trying to play out from the back, but you need some people in the middle to create that uncertainty of where they need to be marking. And you only had one person really in there. Um, and uh, they were pressing forward on us and, you know, goal kicks, everything. There was just no options to get it out of there except for under duress. And we probably aren't a good enough side technically to play under that sort of pressure without something changing, you know, something's got to give there um, because we're not just going to be able to play kind of, you know, man for man as as a better side.
1: Yeah. What kind of disappointed me a bit about this game was the we didn't adapt either. And I, obviously that a lot of that is going to be experience on the field and this is a very inexperienced team. And when you get individ, only individuals that are experienced, like Paige, like Betsy, like Rollo, they can't kind of take it all on themselves. So it is a bit of a learning curve, I take. But still, there has, you, you can't keep conceding the same goals without adapting and I think that that's the real struggle point for me
3: yeah I think I think clearly um the coaching staff have some belief in what they're doing there right in terms of they they believe it's going to come right that that you know continuing to uh have this structure these players this approach is the right way forward whether or not you agree with that um is a different story, but I, I kind of liken it to back in the early days where there was that period where he was really sticking with a formation and some tactics and, and it wasn't coming together, but he clearly had the belief it was the way forward still and wasn't willing to backtrack on it at all. And eventually it led to him, you know, stepping down. Um, but it's still early in that kind of tenure in this sort of league as, as a head coach. And she obviously still has some belief in what she's putting out there. And wants to stick with it rather than going well we've conceded a hatful already let's change it up at you know 30 minutes in um which maybe a different coach might have that approach whether it would help or not i don't know
1: so i've got two points on that one the the women's season is really short so you can you can turf the whole season really quickly in these short seasons and that's my first concern and the other one is it's all very well holding to a philosophy and you know, that's your number one approach, but you have to be adaptable as a, as a tactical leader, whether that's on the field or off the field. Um, God forbid I should mention Louis van Gaal. Like, I mean, total football has been a thing since the seventies and the Dutch believe in it with such a passion and he believes in it as well. But also, when he's chasing a game and 2-0 down, he doesn't mind throwing in the big timber and just start playing route one like Burnley. Did that and got away with it, to be fair. You know, bit of luck, bit of everything else. But, you know, you have to be adaptable. And there's going to there's gonna come a point in this season where something's got to change or it's just going to get... Dem- like I can't imagine what it's like for the, the women on the field to just see these goals going in and not even getting the ball out and getting you know good chances on goal, it's going to be demoralizing as hell if that just keeps happening.
3: Yeah, and I think the hardest part of that is we know the quality's there. We, we've seen it for two really good halves against good sides that we can foot it and, and we could nick three points off, off pretty much anyone in this league the way we can play, but we're not putting that together consistently and teams are now targeting the weaknesses in the the you know the structure we're putting out there. So something needs to change in order to get us playing the best football we can, because we know the quality is there if we can you know put it all together at the right times.
1: Yeah, we we saw this a bit with the the end of the rookie tenure, didn't we? Where uh, tactics got analysed and we just didn't have the ability, to, and Ernie for that matter, we just didn't have the ability to adapt. They just see that okay. We target this one player and just we all take turns fouling that player and that's the end of it. And that's in a league that's a little more physically competitive, um, a little more equally matched rather than the uh, relative inexperience of the Wahenix. So do we think that the coaching staff will make that change sooner rather than later? Because my concern is that if you weren't willing to at least roll the dice late in the game you're already down in? Are you going to do it any stage during the season?
0: Well, it might also be an issue with the uh, um, injuries that we've had in that space too, because Isabel Gomez has just come back from injury, obviously. And Grace Wisniewski wasn't available in that game either. So we are quite limited with who we can put out on the field at this point in time. Um, they may wish to change, and but the issue here is that Isabel might not have 90 minutes in her legs so we can't throw two eights in there at this point in time. Um, So while they might be willing they might just not be able to.
2: I wonder if there's a little bit of um, and I'm sure they won't say a bit more about a development over results kind of aspect to this. You know we know New Zealand football are part of the setup um, and I think financially that's certainly the case Um, and I suspect that's kind of relevant to like who's being recruited as a kind of ferns development opportunity stepping stone whatever you want to call it and whether um, part of that is about trying to play a way um, that will help them develop more than help them get results and some of those sometimes you get to a point where both of those things align and you get results and play a particular way Um, but with the case at the moment that's not happening so i wonder whether it's just going to be a case of sticking that out until it comes. good. I mean, remember last year we didn't win a game till round eight, I think. Maybe um, I hope it's not again this, that long this time. But um, it's not like we have been a, a really good competitive side previously. It is a it is a it is a bit of a journey, right? Like,
1: but previously we've seen them hang in games, whereas this seems to be going. Uh, dare I say, a little bit backwards. People have analysed our weaknesses and have gotten on them. Maybe it's just a case of um, the the second season blues, right? They've worked out our weak points, whereas before they just didn't know who who the players were on the field. Yep, yep. Obviously, sure. a very solid point there. Um, yeah, I I think we probably uh, come to the end of the conversation about this. Just you know, there, there's th- we know that things need to change, but until they do. It's going to be a tough season, right?
2: I'm 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 loath to bring this up, but we play Adelaide on on Saturday. have They've won three games out of four, but they've also only scored four goals in four games. Now, part of me thinks that oh, there will just be a, a, a close, you know, a close game, and that should suit us. But part of me goes, mm, maybe we're the one that gets their season, their goal scoring season going. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's not like the men's team doesn't traditionally do that for other teams anyway. So it would be a Knicks tradition. Sorry, Cam, I cut you off.
0: And that's that's yeah, so that's the other problem, right? We've scored two goals. Um, one of those was a was a fairly significant deflection, um, in the first game. So not only are we looking defensively fragile, without outlets to get the ball out, but we're not being creative in the final third either. Um, so whilst we're saying when he changes it there's, there's where do you start which part are you fixing first um i know i'd look at six and eight because we've talked about that ad length on this pod um but there is there are a lot of a lot of spots that need some addressing moving forward take your pick where you begin i okay. yeah I' just it's, it's a concern man when we can score two and four games concede 12 and we're coming and we're coming up against top four opposition yeah. it's
1: hard. I, for me it's kind of a, if you solve that six and eight uh, puzzle all of a sudden the ball gets progressed further on you're going to get more opportunities you're going to get that ball in that final third a little more and I, I think that not you know so it solves a pro- bit of a problem at both ends um sure actually
0: and there's another point Four of our first five, uh, four of our first five opponents, actually, yeah, four of our first five opponents have been top four uh, in the top five. So City, Western United, Adelaide coming up, and Melbourne, and Canberra sitting sixth. So we've literally played the top half of the table enough. But
1: is that because they've played us, that they're in the top half of the table?
0: It's possible, yeah, but... Like these teams have beaten have more beaten well, more than just victory
1: us. hadn't coming so, into that they'd only scored one goal.
0: Well, in Canberra, in and, and yeah. Canberra, hadn't either. But yeah, it's um, we don't know where the strength of the league lies. Obviously, with those teams being able to bring in imports makes a massive, massive difference. And a lot of them have brought in a lot of imports this season compared to the previous seasons due to the World Cup at the end of the year. So yeah, you know, we're on a bit of a on a bit of a Fighting to nothing there to start with, anyway. But yeah, just, I don't know, mate. It just it feels like there's a lot of change that can happen, and I just don't know where we yeah. begin it.
1: Let's get on to the uh, men's game. Uh, obviously, they played uh, on the Saturday as well uh, against the Wanderers, uh, the beloved team with their head coach that we all so love so much. Uh, yes, Trace. Nice, nice gestures. Where do we start with this game? We obviously. Not We didn't have a tremendous amount of possession there. How did we feel we were going? Because I'm, I'm a bit... I thought we did okay despite the lack of possession.
0: I actually thought we were the better side. I generally thought we were the much better side in that
4: game. We had a lot of chances too. like We were peppering the gold to start with as well.
0: It I think it showed that two of our midfielders have made the team of the week. Um, just how well we've done with the creation, with the little position that we had, how well we've done in the creation space. Um, Yeah, I I thought we should have had uh, multiple, several goals.
4: What about that save, though, to deny Tim Payne? Oh, Oh, yeah,
1: that wasn't bad, was it? Yeah.
4: I think I was watching, well, I I don't think, I was watching alone um, at home, and I don't often talk to the TV, but I remember just being like, what a save.
1: Yeah, yeah. Said exactly the same thing, and I think that was basically my Twitter for about a minute. It was just what a save. <laughs> um, yeah, it, when someone pulls out that sort of thing, I don't think Tim Payne could actually believe it, could he? just stood there. I'm like, what? Um, yeah, there it was. Um, I was struck by how spiteful the game was, there was a there was more than a bit of niggle. I mean, by the end of it, it was blowing up after half time, uh, after full time, rather. Um, uh, is that is that a Rudan thing? Is it just get them fired up to the point of uh, being axe murderers? Or is that just a. Uh, these guys have got a bit of a special bee in their bonnet for us?
0: Might have just been the day, to be fair.
3: But, uh, I think uh, during the game, a lot of the niggle looked reasonably good spirits you know there was there was clearly a few battles going on there but it didn't it didn't look too feisty i guess it was just um you know good good good-natured um battle until as you say after full-time it looked like there might have been a bit more in it but i think i think probably the emotion of how that kind of ended as well might have been a factor in that you know there was a you know some (laughs) some late pressure on there that could have seen anyone walk away with that. And, you know, I think probably that emotion might've just flowed over a little after the final whistle.
4: Well, there definitely was emotion because where there was a kiss,
3: <laughs> you're yeah, watching w- that one back, have you?
1: Uh, <laughs> it, yeah. It looked like it was going to turn into a bit more of a Liverpool kiss than anything else. The way Marcelo and Ollie Sale were going at it right at the very end.
4: Their lips were definitely touching.
1: Yeah, I think that was um, a whole lot of getting in someone's face, but not wanting to um, uh, not wanting to hit heads and run the risk of um, getting a, a very duchesque uh, post ninety minutes red card. Um, the uh, we should probably make mention of the uh, of the their goal. It was just it was a nice free kick, but uh, Kroop scoring again uh, fourth and five games. Yeah, he looks
0: um, he looks really good. Um, the first couple of games were I wasn't sure, but uh, he certainly um, he's certainly showing what a creative force and finishing force he can be. It's uh, exactly the the kind of ten role that we were acquiring out for.
2: It was actually quite well worked because I think Zavada kind of, they were actually in different spots, and Zavada pulled central and it dragged a couple of players mm. with him. As, as it would, and Krayev kind of drifted off to the back post. So it seemed like it was kind of, either it was sort of rehearsed or, or that's kind of what happens at more sort of, um, I guess, overseas professional leagues is it's a bit more kind of clinical about that because it seemed like it was it was quite well, um, well, certainly well worked because they scored a goal from it. Yeah, no, it was a good goal. It's a, it's interesting to see kind of how
3: um, well he's going from a goal-scoring goal scoring perspective because I think one of my key criticisms kind of watching him a few times is the kind of lack of desire to shoot from him he he often has space open up and he's always looking for the pass he's he's one of those guys who i think clearly has a shot but only uses it in rare circumstances you know whereas you see other people in, in that kind of 10 role who look to shoot at every opportunity he's clearly not that guy in terms of trying to just put a few shots in and hope some of them go in he he looks to create, he looks to lay it off. He's very happy providing the assist instead, but it does seem that he's also banging in a few. So I think in in terms of that, it's a, it's a great pickup.
1: Yeah. It was, um, if you saw his highlight reel, he's very, he's shown that he's very capable with his head. Yeah. I think you're right. I think he's just that guy that he's always, his first instinct is find the pass, find the pass, which means that, you know, if you're looking for the pass and don't see it, occasionally you'll just run out of time for the shot. Um, but, I think what's really good about um, having Zavada there is he is a target for defenders. He is a big unit. He is very strong. He demands a lot of that attention. And the fact that Crives uh, kind of making hay uh, when there's just a little bit of an opening is really good to see. It, I was I was like Dave a bit worried that you know his lack of goals was going to be an issue for us because we need a ten that's going to be a scorer because we don't have a a really pivotal guy and haven't had one since Krishna. Um, so yeah, if he's able to put, keep chipping in with these odd headed goals and Zavada's keeps doing that uh, role of drawing defensive defences away, it's going to be, it's going to be good for guys like Borley and Cruyff and even got Ben Wayne and Ben Old. Um, speaking I'm, of uh, how did we think that the, uh, the beans got on? Um, it doesn't, hasn't looked quite as as classic double Ben as it did last season. Slow start to the season, or is it just?
2: Well, Ben Wayne started well, didn't he? And then he kind of, I guess, lost his spot. Ben Wayne, like, I think I said earlier, like, he's such a frustrating player. Eh? He like get, seems to get in really good positions, and the output that he delivers is quite often quite poor. Like, he'll drag a shot miles wide, not, not even look like it being on target or dangerous. He'll, he'll get bumped off the ball, fall over. Um, yeah, just
1: he's very hot and cold.
2: Yeah, well, to be fair, he's more hot than uh, Jan Sarsa at the moment, so <laughs> um, so it wouldn't surprise me if yeah he, he gets a start ahead of him um, come come Saturday because yeah yeah is looking like Ufi's first failed failed recruitment international recruitment right he's. It's just hard to see what he has delivered yeah. or put to us. We haven't seen anything to justify him yet, right?
1: No, he's there's, quick.
3: There's flashes that maybe it might be okay, but we certainly haven't seen it put together into something useful.
1: No, the the references to, to Tori and to... Um, oh, yeah, Sarpong, that was the one.
2: I mean, maybe he's just, he hasn't settled to the, the slightly different role he's been expected to play like others have, right? Like... As far as I can tell, Sas was more of a straight-out winger, so stayed high and sort of taken on full works, where at the moment, you know, he needs to do a bit more defending, getting up and down the line, and it's a bit more sort of a wide midfielder-ish kind of. Um, so while other players have sort of adapted to that, and Crave might be considered one of them. It seems like he's just looking a little bit lost out there.
1: Yeah. Um, I think we should probably pay credit to UFI, as Dale points out. If this is his only failure in regards to a visa spot and uh, all the years he's been coaching at the Knicks, that is an incredible achievement. Um, and as you say, Sass isn't it, he's no dummy. He's just not able to put it together at the moment. Um, I mean, it, I, I can't recall any coach in the league who's gotten close to that, those sorts of successful numbers.
2: Yeah, I mean, even Tony Popovich has had numerous studs across different clubs. Um, like some of Even his, with
1: the pockets that Popovich yeah, has had too.
2: Yeah, like the Wanderers, they had some real donkeys um, for a number of years. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't look good. And like, it wouldn't surprise me if, if, you know, come two or three weeks, we might see a, he's returning home for family reasons. Because um, I think the Brazilian leagues, they usually run calendar year, don't they? Um, so maybe there's something there that he maybe might try try ship him off and see if we can attract something else.
1: Um, my question for you, Dale, is uh, how long's the we thank him and wish him well statement going to be?
2: Ooh, that's a tough one. I mean, unlikely him that he'll get any words in it because obviously his English isn't that great. So that immediately shortens the statement considerably. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I reckon probably about 50, 50 words,
1: maybe. Fifty words. Oof. Yeah. That's, uh for half a season. That's um, it's pretty grim. We'll we'll put that down to just the uh, lack of English there. So that probably brings us to an end. Uh, talking about the um uh, on the field stuff. Uh, one final note is the game versus Adelaide is going is on Saturday the seventeenth at three pm. Um. Uh, the other thing we have just prior to that and just after is the 12 pubs of Lockheed. Uh, so if you don't know what that is, come along and find out. Uh, there'll be uh, details on the uh, socials, I believe, uh, or if not.
0: If, if you don't know what that is after, what is it, 14 years,
1: then there's something seriously yeah, and wrong And if you're with keeping you. away because you know exactly what it is, that's fair as well. Um Fine. So there's that going on, the Adelaide game, and obviously um, Fever will be making a statement about um, uh, the APL decision uh, very shortly. Uh, we're just trying to obviously agree um, what to say and how there are complicating factors, obviously with it being a double header and uh, such. So um, stay tuned. We'll um, put out something as soon as is reasonably possible. Uh, Thanks for your time. It's been nice talking. Bye.
4: And bye Silverfern Farms. Like
0: a Phoenix, like a bee. Down
4: on Cuba Street, no worries on my mind. Try that's the end. Phoenix City.